Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of What is a Podcast? The podcast that now has a Twitter account, What is a underscore podcast? That's where you can get podcast news, podcast updates, podcast um, jokes, maybe um, anything related to the podcast. Also, I've decided I'm going to use that account also to promote my YouTube stuff, any YouTube videos that I feel like are worthy of sharing. I'll probably share them on the what is a underscore podcast podcast Twitter. Um, So if you are so inclined, go follow it. I've noticed that there is a podcast community in the podcasting community that's pretty strong over there. So I am I'm liking I'm liking the podcast Twitter account, honestly, like. I'm liking tweeting in a different way. It's not my personal account. I can, you know, think in a different way and post things that I wouldn't post on my normal account, which is is actually kind of fun now that um, I'm thinking about it. But I wanted to start off this podcast with a story. I have some beautiful um, mint tea next to me and a glass of water to the other side of me. I'm going to take a sip of my tea now. Before I tell this story, and I think that this story is important. Maybe it isn't, but I think it's important. So, a few days ago, maybe last week, I was um, out running errands, um, and I was about to go home. I'm about 15 minutes from my house, right? And I decided, as I'm walking through the parking lot to my car, I decide that by the time I get home, I'll probably be a little bit hungry. I want some food, right? So... Instead of driving around, finding a place to eat, finding parking again, I decided while I'm in the parking lot, I'm going to pull up Postmates. I'm a Postmate Chipotle to my house because I know that Postmates is going to take 20 minutes minimum and I'm 15 minutes away from my house. So I know I'll beat the Postmates driver there. Everything will be fine. So I do that. I get a chicken burrito bowl. And the reason why I chose Chipotle is because Chipotle offers Mr. Pib. And I don't know if I just don't know how to use the Postmates app. I don't use it very often. Like, I use it rather sparingly. And I do prefer the Uber Eats app, but that's not here or there. But I didn't see the Mr. Pib option. I wanted Mr. Pib, but I already had done all these things. So we're like, fine. I'll get Mexican Coke. That's on the menu. (coughs) Excuse me. I'm going to get some Mexican Coke. And that'll be fine. People like Mexican Coke. It's been about a year since I had Mexican Coke. I don't even drink soda that much. And like nowadays, if I do get a soda, like a fountain drink, I don't even drink all of it. But I had a a hankering for some Mr. Pib and I couldn't get it. So I ordered Mexican Coke. So cool. Dial it up, put it in, drive home. I make it home before the Postmates person gets there as I planned. And I get a text. Like as soon as I get home, I get a text from the Postmates driver saying, hey, they don't have any Mexican Coke left. What do you want? And at first I was like, fuck it. I'm not going to get the soda. But then I remembered that I paid extra for the soda. So I'm going to get the Mr. Pib that I wanted to begin with instead of getting nothing at all. So I text her back. I'm like, hey, thanks for you know reaching out. Um, could you grab a Mr. Pib instead? And that'd be great. She says, yeah, no problem. We're good to go. So we do that. I wait. I wait for like maybe five, ten more minutes. Postmate comes. 
gives me my chicken burrito bowl, gives me my Mr. Pib. I tip her on the app, we're good to go. I sit down, I have my burrito bowl, I have my plastic fork, I have a napkin, I have all these things, I'm ready. And I take a sip of the Mr. Pib. And the Mr. Pib was the worst Mr. Pib I've ever tasted in my life. Like, I think that Mr. Pib is a superior soda. Like, I don't like Dr. Pepper, I like Mr. Pib. And whenever I can get it, I get it. But this Mr. Pib, it tasted like they were running low on syrup in their machine. Because if you don't know, if you've never worked in food before, I have. If you've never worked in like a cafeteria or a restaurant or anything of that nature, which I have done, you the machines for the soda, really, you have to load them up with like big cases of syrup. So you get the syrup, you plug it into machine, and then the machine mixes the syrup with the soda water, and that's how you get your soda. And it tasted like the Mr. Pib was low on syrup and no one had replaced it, no one really noticed. So it tasted awful. I only took like a couple sips of it because it tasted so bad. I just got water instead. And I was like, man, I tried all this time just to get something that I thought I wanted. And I finally got the thing that I wanted and it turned out to be shit. And I think that, you know, sometimes what you want is shit and you don't realize it until you actually get it. Um, so be careful what you wish for. And yeah, I just, I felt like that story in particular was like, oh, there, there's more to this than just me being, um, you know, annoyed. There's more, there's more to it than that. So I decided to share it. Maybe you, maybe you thought that was stupid. Maybe you thought it was good. I don't know. But anyway, we have some things to talk about. Um, it's first, you know, things that aren't worth it or things that are worth it. We have to talk about the short king, quote unquote, king story. If you haven't heard, there's this guy. He's about five feet tall. And basically, he throws temper tantrums for a living. Like anytime someone mentions his height, he just goes off and goes into shouting matches. And he was in a viral video in a bagel shop. And he's been in other viral videos since. I don't know how these people keep finding him and trying to interview him. But news outlets have found him. Other people have found him trying to interview this dude. And the whole time, he's saying some like off the wall type shit. And the first video, the Bagel Boss video, I think the, the bagel shop was called Bagel Boss. That video was kind of fucked up, right? Like, there's humor in it, but at the core, there's, you know, undertones that this guy could be violent. There's undertones that he might have mental health problems. There's a lot of things that are not all the way right about that video, right? <clears throat> but then, people keep finding him, he keeps doing more videos. And there was two videos in particular that stood out to me. The first video being one where he has an interview and the people in the, in, in the interview are asking him, are you misogynistic? Are you homophobic? All that stuff. And I understand asking if he's misogynistic because like he said some misogynistic things in his original video. But... They asked him if he was homophobic. They asked him if he was racist. I didn't even think there was like a baseline for those questions because as far as we know, all he hates is women. We don't know if he hates people of different races than him, but they asked him those questions and he basically said, they asked him if he was homophobic. He said, no, 
and then they asked him if he was um, racist. He said, I have black friends, but if a black person does something wrong to me, I say, quote unquote, that word, that word probably being the N word. So I'm like, this dude is kind of wild, like he's out here being racist. And of course, like a lot of people are racist, unfortunately. But it's like this dude, this dude is this dude is really out here like being problematic, just like openly and casually. It's crazy. And then there was a second video, the second video where he was doing like some type of press conference. And he was saying like, yo, I'm the new prophet. I'm Martin Luther King. I'm Malcolm X. He's saying that he is these people. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. This is getting all the way fucking out of hand. Like, this guy is one step away from saying that he is Jesus Christ. Like, we can't have that. Like, this guy, this five-foot-tall guy, and by the way, just on the comparison to Jesus, I think it's estimated that Jesus was probably about 5'2", because people were shorter in Jesus' time than they are now, but whatever. So he's one step away from saying, I'm Jesus Christ, and I'm like, wow. What the fuck has gone on in this guy's life? He's clearly been bullied for his height because he's not like a dwarf. Like he's not, I don't know what the correct term is. I feel like I've heard dwarf is the politically correct term or like the term that they people who suffer from dwarfism prefer. Um, They don't like the word midget. They don't like the word little person to my knowledge. Um, If that's problematic, I'm sorry. Um, But I'm just going to say dwarf. He's not a dwarf. I don't think because dwarfs are usually under five feet tall. They're usually like in the three feet to four feet range, depending on what type of dwarfism you have. And he's like five feet tall. He's just like the shortest you can be without being like a dwarf in that sense. So he's clearly been bullied for a while. Like, there's clearly shit that's happened to him. And he's managed to, you know, overcome that to some extent um, and live somewhat of a normal life. But it's just crazy, like, to think now, like, he has to think in order to say these things, as if, assuming he's not joking, in order to say these things, he has to be like, I overcame these hardships and now people finally give a fuck about who I am. People finally care about who I am. I have to spread this message. I have to be, you know, my version of Martin Luther King Jr. But that's, it's just so wild that he made that step that there has to be, you know, something more to that, which is, you know, crazy. And I feel like as like a shorter man myself, like I'm not six feet tall. I'm about 5'8". I feel like height is a little bit relative. Um, and this guy, um, Bagel Boss guy, like his height, like his frustrations are mainly towards like women not wanting him because he's not tall. And I feel like for me, as someone who's 5'8", I'm taller than most of the women that I interact with, right? Um, most women are, you know, if they're taller than me, they're like an inch taller than me, like they're like 5'9", five, 5'10", five, but most women are either my height or below. And again, I'm taller than this suit, but I feel like women do like height a lot of times, but from what I've talked to people about, it's not like anything other than they want to be able to be shorter than the man 
while they're wearing heels. Like I want to look good wearing my heels and still be shorter than the man I'm with. That's like what the gist is. But I feel like in general, like as a 5'8 person and like being considered quote unquote shorter, I don't consider myself short personally, um, but being like under six feet, I guess you can say, like I haven't had too many people like say in real life that I'm not attractive because of my height. Maybe they say that behind my back, but I've never had people say that to my face that I like you, um, but you're not tall enough. I had one girl, one person who's like my really um, good friend. Uh, I don't know if she remembers she said this to me because it was closer to when we first met. But one of my friends, she said, like we were in a group and she was like, the shortest they would go was someone my height, like someone 5'8". And she was like 5'8", five, 5'9". Or she is 5'8", five, 5'9". Five, so that I've had that said to me, but never been like, yo, I can't date you because you're 5'8". I've never had that happen to me. Of course, being 5 feet and 5'8 is a big difference. But I do think that, you no, know, there's someone out there for him, someone who probably would like him. Um, they might be taller than him, but not everyone cares about that. I think that some women care about that. Some people think that that's attractive. And I think that a lot of people are just in it for the jokes. Um, and some people genuinely do like that, though. But I do think a lot of it plays into jokes. Or at least I take it as a joke. I don't really take it that seriously. Like, I've seen on Twitter, like, oh, this person was, you know, really attractive until I found out you were 5'8". But, like, on Twitter, like, everything's, like, a fucking meme on Twitter. Like, I don't care. Like, if, if someone said that in real life, I might be disappointed. But it's your, it's your fucking loss. If you don't want my, you know, my chiseled good looks, that's that's up to you. But yeah, I just feel like as like a quote unquote short person that or if you think I'm short, but I don't think I'm short, but I go through the world as someone shorter, like my life is not affected by my height that much. Like no one really mentions it. <laughs> and, and I feel like if you own your height or if you carry yourself a certain way, like people aren't going to make fun of you for something like that. I know like people like there's a guy, there was a guy in Vine named Big Nick, I believe, who was a, a dwarf and he owned his height. Like um, people who are smaller, like they own their height and make it a part of their branding. Like fucking um, what's his name? Bushwick Bill, who just passed away. Rest in peace. He made his height part of his branding. Um, and people like that, you know, once they embrace it, like they do fine. And some people just carry themselves like a normal person. Like instead of being not pretending that they they're taller than they are, just acting regular and being confident and no one gives a fuck about their height. I remember when I was um, I was taking a class at UC Berkeley um, over the summer and there's um, a professor, Robert Reich, um, and he's like really famous, like political scientist, speaker, something like that. And Robert Reich, um, he came to my class and Robert Reich is four foot 11. Like he's shorter than this dude. And Robert Reich, like no one gives a fuck about how tall Robert Reich is. Like, honestly, they care about if he's smart or not. But no one gives a fuck about how tall Robert Reich is because he's, you know, the way he talks and what he says doesn't regard to his height at all. So no one gives a fuck. And I feel like if you live your life 
like insecure in that way about your height, then maybe people are going to make fun of you more. And I get that it's not like easy to turn off insecurities. Like I have insecurities that are on all the fucking time. I'm not saying that, but if you just act like regular, people don't even really notice them. You're just insecure in your own head. Um, but anyway, speaking of that, speaking of things that went viral on the internet, and this is a little bit old news by now, but the the ice cream licking craze, I think, is over. If you're not familiar, the ice cream licking phase started in Texas when a woman, she grabbed Bluebell ice cream from the counter or from the freezer in a Walmart, licked the top of it, and put it back in the freezer for someone else to buy, which, of course, is disgusting. And people were, excuse me. People were, you know, disgusted by it. They were clowning her for it. But people also followed the trend. And the girl who started the trend in Texas got arrested and is facing two to 20 years in prison, which is crazy to me. Like, I think it it was because she endangered public health or something like that. But it's crazy that licking an ice cream can get you two years, let alone 20 years, but two years. That's crazy. And there was a dude who also got caught who was like 36 years old. And I'm just thinking like, you have to know better at 36. I don't know how old the original person was that was licking the ice cream, but you have to know better at 30 fucking six. That's crazy. (laughs) Like, how do you get arrested for licking ice cream at age 36? What do you tell your family and friends and your kids if you do shit like that? That's crazy. And while I do think it's a harsh punishment, And a lot of people that I associate with are like, they don't like the prison system the way it is. And I do think there's a lot of things wrong with the prison system the way it is. But I'm just thinking about other than like the social punishment of like people, you know, hating on her, making fun of her. What is a solution? Like, because a lot of people say instead of prison, we should have rehabilitation. But how do you rehab someone who licked ice cream in public? I don't know what the right answer is to that, but I don't think the right answer is two years in prison, maybe a day in prison, maybe a, maybe a day, but two years is way too much for that shit. I mean, she probably won't go to jail like that, but yeah, it's crazy. And I wanted to, you know, talk about that just a little bit because I feel like this trend in particular made me understand the term clout chasing because people have been using clout chasing for basically since 2018 when it got really um, widespread in use. And when I see the term clout chasing, I always kind of shrugged it off because in my mind, everyone is a clout chaser to a certain extent. Like in my mind, like if you're trying to make money, which we all are, if you're trying to survive, if you're trying to, you know, further better yourself in life, if you're trying to be famous in any type of way, yes, you're a clout chaser. But I feel like I have to refine my take Because the reason why this trend bothered me and I think why it bothered other people is not just because the act is nasty. Like licking ice cream, putting your saliva in the ice cream and leaving it for someone else to eat is nasty. But I think the reason is there's no reason to do something like that unless you post it on the internet. Because if you lick ice cream and no one's around to see it, what's the point? If you wanted free ice cream, you would just steal the ice cream. If you lick ice cream and only your friend sees it, 
it doesn't matter. Like that, it's not funny. The act of doing that is not funny. It's not interesting. It's not compelling. The only value an act like that has is if you're filming it and putting it on the internet, on Twitter and on Instagram. That's the only value an act like that has. And the only reward you get from that, it's not money. It's retweets and likes and shares. So I think I get more like the actual like act of clout chasing. And that's why like it bothered me so much is like I finally figured out this thing that people are saying. And I feel like I'm the idiot in this situation because I think people have been using cloud chasing in that way for a long time. I just kind of whenever I saw that word, I kind of brushed it off like, oh, everyone's a cloud chaser. Shut the fuck up type of thing. But I feel like I get it now because there are other challenges on the Internet that are more worthwhile, like they're more you know, compelling, either they're actually funny or they're interesting. Like we also had the fucking uh, bottle, bottle cap challenge. And the bottle cap challenge is really cool because it takes actual talent and skill to pull off the bottle cap challenge, which is, you know, you spin around in the air and kick a bottle cap off of a, a bottle of some sort. It's pretty cool to see. And I, you know, enjoy watching them. And I feel like the people who are hating on the bottle cap challenge, which I have seen, I saw Snoop Dogg, of all people, getting mad at it. I think that if you hate on the bottle cap challenge, that just means that you can't fucking do the bottle cap challenge, um, period, point blank. But that's something that if I saw on the street, if I saw someone doing the bottle cap challenge on the street, not to be filmed at all, it would still be a cool thing to see. It's still an incredible athletic feat. So... I think that that shit is cool, but something like licking an ice cream and putting it back on the shelf, that's not funny or cool or difficult or interesting. It's just nasty if you don't film it. So, yeah, I don't I don't fucking I don't fucking care. And if it was even spread past ice cream, like I saw someone do it with mouthwash. I saw a woman like pull out her tits in like a Rayleigh's for for retweets and I was like the grocery store etiquette has gotten way out of hand. Like, what the fuck? What is going on here? I don't know what we're doing in grocery stores, but I went to my local grocery store recently and no one was misbehaving. I don't know where these people are that they can just do shit like that, but whatever. Anyway, I also want to talk a little bit, just a little bit. I don't know how long I'm going to talk about it, but just a little bit about this like Arizona, Tempe, Arizona cops story where cops were at Starbucks and um, there was like a patron at Starbucks who said, these cops make me uncomfortable. And then they asked the cops to leave and they fucking left. And I like, whatever you think about the police, like it's crazy that that actually worked. I'm not trying to make any like, you know, anti-police statements or pro-police statements. I will say that, you know, being in a room with cops is going to make you feel uncomfortable. It doesn't matter if you do something wrong or not. The potential of a cop thinking you did something wrong for a lot of people makes them uncomfortable. I remember like in my neighborhood, I remember I was young, I was like 12 in my neighborhood and then a cop pulled up to me. I was walking home from school. A cop pulled up to me. 
And the cop, you know, he asked me where I lived, why I'm out of school. School was fucking over. It was like 3 p.m. But he's like, where you live? Why aren't you in school? Where are you going? And then he went on his way. And that was like my first like in real life experience with the cop. And I was like, oh, this is what people mean when they say cops just bother you. I get it now. So I understand feeling uncomfortable with the cop. But what is crazy is that you had the balls to kick the cop out. <laughs> like, that's what's crazy to me. Because like cops, like they have guns. Cops are, you know, authority figures. And it is like within the law to kick them out. Like we reserve the right to reserve to refuse service to anyone. So I guess like, yeah, but I wouldn't want to piss off a cop like ever. It's not like not because like I love cops. That's not what I'm saying. I don't want to piss off a cop because if a cop doesn't like me, that means that they have an excuse to fuck with me in their head. At least they don't like you. So they might nitpick and give you a ticket or worse for whatever you it is that you're doing. I don't want to piss off a cop and it, that caused an outrage. I'm just amazed that it actually worked. I'm amazed that you saw these cops and you said, even though cops have guns and most cops, you know, will, you know, tackle you if necessary. I can't believe that you got those cops to get out of there. That's something that I think is a round of applause. Whether you like cops or hate cops or anything like that, it's you got those cops to get out of there. That takes a lot of um, cojones. It takes a lot of balls to do that. So I just want to talk about that. I'm just, I still can't believe that people actually did that in Arizona. And again, I live in California, so maybe the relationship between police and citizens in Arizona is different. But either way, I thought that was pretty cool that you were able to pull that off. Um, in other internet news, this one's more personal, not so much viral. But I came across like the entrepreneur side of Instagram, like people who are entrepreneurs and trying to spread you know, their entrepreneurship to other people. And I saw a video on Instagram. It was on IGTV, actually. What a fucking disaster that is. My apologies if you like IGTV, but I don't know anyone who really fucks with IGTV like that. But I was on IGTV of all places, and it was recommended to me like a guy who was, um, he was talking about how to make a million dollars in a year. And he was basically just doing basic math like he was saying, if you make X amount of money each day, then you will make a million dollars in a year. He wasn't, all he was doing was adding and multiplying and subtracting, basically. He didn't do anything like groundbreaking. He said, if you sell a product for this amount of money, you will be a millionaire if you sell X amount of products every day. No accounting for tax taxes, no accounting for days off, no accounting for however much money it costs to develop whatever product you're selling. Like the product he gave an example, as an example was like a course for people to sign up for. And if you don't have any qualifications, what makes you think that I'm gonna sign up for your course, dog? Like, no. But I just thought it was so ridiculous that someone doing basic math and saying 300 times 365 or however many days in the year is, is going to get you to a million dollars. That's not the exact number or how he did it, but you get the gist. And I'm sure his math was correct. I'm not doubting that he did incorrect math. It's just that 
telling people that is not going to change their lives. It's not going to motivate them to make a million dollars because you didn't give them any actual information. All you gave them was like a math problem to solve and you solved it for them. Like you didn't do anything groundbreaking. And I, I brought this up. It irritated me a little bit because I feel like if you're an entrepreneur on the internet giving out advice for free, I have no reason to trust you. Like if you're like selling a product and I, I feel like the product is interesting, maybe. But if you're branding yourself as like an entrepreneur and you're trying to help other people get like, quote unquote, a million dollars and you're trying to give away your secrets. I feel like an actual business person isn't giving away the game for free. That I don't feel like you're giving away all your tips for free. I feel like if you're an entrepreneur and you want, you know, to keep the competition down, you're not doing that. Maybe I'm wrong. I'm not an entrepreneur. But I feel like, no, it just, it's, it all seems bullshit to me. When I see people on the internet talking about how to be successful, how to do this, how to do that, how to, you know, get rich in a year, how to, you know, change your mindset to get rich in a year, it just seems like bullshit to me. Either that or they're trying to get me in, into a pyramid scheme. But... I feel like if you are giving away your advice for free, why would I take your advice? I feel like I don't know you. You're a personality on the internet. You may have a million dollars, but I feel like the advice you're giving me is not the actual advice I need. Like the actual tips you're giving me for free probably won't help me. The actual math problems you're doing that adds up to a million, that doesn't help me. I just feel like it's, you're not to be trusted. You're just... You're just someone trying to make money in any way possible and you're using Instagram, YouTube, Twitter to do it and you're branding yourself as a successful entrepreneur, but you haven't done anything to convince me. I feel like I don't need to trust any entrepreneurs in the, on the internet, especially entrepreneurs that don't factor in taxes to your information, that don't factor in like other life circumstances. It's crazy. I don't, I don't fuck with it. Maybe you do, but I don't fuck with it. Um, and another thing, before I talk about sports, I have a couple topics I want to get to before I talk about sports because I feel like I might talk about sports for a long time. So um, we're not going to do that. But I have a couple more topics. First, shout out to UT Austin, which is a school I considered applying to for graduate school, um, but I chickened out. But Shout out to UT Austin for free tuition for Texas residents. Like, that's pretty crazy. Um, I know that Texas is a cheaper state than California, but giving free tuition um, to low-income students, to Texas residents, like, that's a huge step in the right direction. And I feel like people think that free college cheapens a college degree. No. Free college gets, just gives equal access to whoever can get into the college. Like I went to um, a school that required a 3.0 GPA. You needed a 3.0 GPA in high school to get in. You needed your test scores. I got 1,200 out of 1,600 on my SATs, right? You had to write personal statements. I wrote my personal statements. All that stuff got me in before any payments were made. So those standards are still going to be there. It's just access to people who may not have been able to afford it before. So free college won't cheapen the degree because you still put in the work to get to the school. And then you have to put in the work 
once you get to school to do that, right? Just because the college is free doesn't mean that college is easy. It doesn't mean that you're not writing fucking research papers or doing engineering projects or fucking chemistry or doing like, you know, student job on the side. It doesn't mean anything like that. All it means is that there's more access. I know City College of San Francisco is doing that, but that's a a two-year college. So the cost of that college is cheaper to begin with, but they're doing that in San Francisco. And, you know, I think it's a step in the right direction. And a lot of the candidates are trying, or like the Congress people are trying to get rid of, you know, student debt. They're trying to get rid of tuition. And I, I mean, as someone who recently graduated from college, I'm for that. But I feel like people who say, I paid off my debt, you should have to pay off your debt too. I don't know. That seems a little bit nefarious and evil to me. That's like saying, oh, I got shot in the leg um, as a kid. You should get shot in the leg too. I got shot in the leg and I turned out just fine. So I think everyone should get shot in the leg. No, that's not how that works. That was a shitty thing that happened to you. But that doesn't mean that everyone else has to have a shitty thing that happened to you. No, that's ridiculous. Um, But anyway, I feel like this is a good step in the right direction. It's happening in Texas. It's ha- it should happen, I feel like, everywhere. But I feel like if it starts in Texas at UT Austin, and there are other UT schools, like University of Texas schools, but I feel like if it happens there and it happens with throughout Texas and then it starts to happen maybe in California with the UC and CSU system, maybe in New York with um, the CUNY um, system, all that stuff, I think I think it'd be pretty good. I think it could spread rather quickly if it works out for um, UT Austin. Of course, there is, you know, how do people pay for the school or like pay the professors or all this stuff? I don't have an exact good answer for that, except for tax the billionaires, as Bernie Sanders would say. But I'm for it. I'm definitely for it. But anyway, I want to talk about astrology for a minute, just for a minute. Because we saw that Channing Tatum on Twitter, he like went crazy about um, astrology, like he was just getting into it. And it was crazy how he was seeing the world or how his astrology readings were seeing him in his life. And people were saying like, oh, Channing Tatum finally figures out that astrology is real, all that stuff. And I feel like the discourse around astrology largely isn't productive and i want to explain why because astrology i don't care if you think that astrology is real or not i do think there are there are some things valid about astrology like astrology says that like if you're a certain sign say you're a scorpio and i'm not saying this is actually true this is just an example say you're a scorpio and say the zodiac says you're compatible with a capricorn and because you're compatible with a Capricorn, like your, comp- your traits complement each other. Like you're not the exact same people, but your traits complement each other. I feel like whether you believe in the Zodiac or not, that's true. Like you're not going to be perfectly compatible with someone who's just like you, but you're not also going to be perfectly compatible with someone who's the complete opposite of you. I do think that that is a valid point, right? So there are things that about astrology that I think are valid whether you agree with it or not or believe in it or not. But I feel like 
just blindly throwing away astrology and saying it's fake is not productive. One, because you can probably learn something from it, even if you don't believe in it. Two, you're just, you have the potential to start arguments on Twitter. Like, I cannot count the many, how many times someone said astrology is fake and then just had a million people dunk on them and call them stupid for not believing in astrology. I, it, it, it doesn't seem worth it to me. Like, whenever I make a joke about astrology, I always preface it by saying, look, I don't know everything about this astrology shit, but this is an observation I've made. And on the other hand of astrology, you have people who believe in astrology, but input it to their lives in a way that I don't feel is healthy or productive. Like people with astrology will say, I hate Libras. I hate Virgos. I hate Scorpios. They'll just say that like blanket statement, which like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, you hate everyone of a certain sign? That doesn't make any sense to me. Because as I've learned more about astrology, and again, I'm not an expert, like, I learned that, like, the sign you're born under is, like, your sun sign. That's, like, the time of the month. Like, I'm a Libra. I was born in October. I'm a Libra. And then you have, like, your moon sign and, like, your rising sign. You have other signs within your astrology, you know, chart that dictate your personality in different ways. So to say, I hate Libra, I hate Scorpio, I hate Virgo, whatever, when you know that the sun sign is not the entire personality of a person, that makes no sense to me. Like, I saw a person on Twitter, like, they said, I hate six of the 12 signs. Like, they listed, like, six or seven of the signs in the zodiac. And I'm like, do you have any friends? Like, you hate half of the people in the world, essentially, is what you're saying. Assuming that there's more or less an equal amount of people through each sign. You're saying you hate half the people that exist. Like, do you have any friends? Like, it just doesn't seem like a productive discussion to me. And it feels like if you're trying to get people to believe that astrology is real, the best way to do that is probably not by putting down their sign. Like if someone who doesn't believe in astrology is a Scorpio and you say, I hate Scorpios, they're not going to want to learn more about astrology, most likely, because you just shitted on them. You shitted on them without really knowing them. So maybe that's not the right way to to fucking do it. But I don't know. The discourse on astrology, I just feel like is flawed on a couple levels by both sides. Uh, and again, I'm not someone, I, like, my experience with astrology is I'm not crazy about it, but the shit that I read about my sign makes sense to me. Like, I read shit about astrology and it makes sense, but I'm not crazy about astrology in that way. But you know, what can you, what can you do? Twitter is going to twit. And people are going to fight on Twitter regardless. Sometimes it's funny and sometimes it's just dis-a-fucking-pointing. But anyway, let's move on from something else extraterrestrial. Area 51. If you don't know, there's a huge craze on the internet to raid Area 51, I believe in September 2019. And I'm in on the jokes. I think it's funny. I think it's cool. It's a fun internet thing that kind of started organically 
and I think that is fun. I think the memes are great. I was just thinking, if we raid Area 51, and let's say there are aliens in Area 51, one, what will the aliens look like? Because I don't think aliens look like how we depicted them to look like. And two, how smart are these aliens actually? Because I w- like we assume that aliens are smarter than us. We assume that if an alien has figured out to get to Earth, right? If a spaceship landed on Earth, these aliens have advanced technology because we have yet to meet any other aliens. We can barely get to Mars as it is. So the fact that aliens could get to Earth means that they are smarter, right? That's what we assume. But if these so-called smart advanced aliens, if they were able to be captured and kept in one place, imprisoned basically in Area 51, are they really that smart? I feel like Area 51, if it is filled with aliens, is filled with dumbass aliens. Like these are the like these are like Christopher Columbus was sent on a mission by like the King of Spain or whatever. I feel like the actual smart aliens are like the King of Spain. They sent their Columbuses to Earth, and their Columbuses are just dumbasses that got caught and never never came back. Like that's kind of what I think is happening because. Like, if you are so advanced, you have this technology, you're so much smarter than us, how the fuck did we catch you and put you in a prison in the middle of Area fucking 51? That doesn't make too much sense to me. Not really. Um, But yeah. Anyway, let's talk about politics. Let's talk about politics. The things that aren't divisive at all. I don't want to talk about Donald Trump too much, although he did do some racist ass shit. Um, But I will talk about him after I talk about this thing really quick um when you talk beto o'rourke beto o'rourke right the dude who lost to ted cruz and is running for president right now he put out a statement saying that he descended from slave owners right and then i didn't really read the comments to that like i didn't read what he the full thing about he wrote i didn't read anything really all i read was that he learned recently that his ancestors owned slaves. And my question to Beto O'Rourke is, I don't know how well he handled it or anything like that. My question is, has nobody ever talked about it in your family before? Because I'm black. My, my ancestors were slaves. My ancestors didn't own slaves, at least not in that capacity. Um, so I want to know for Beto O'Rourke and for a lot of white people in general, like, do you talk about owning slaves? Like, because that is a part of American history, and Beto O'Rourke is not the only person who descended from slave owners or benefited from the slave trade. So, how many families actually talk about the past of owning slaves? Like, once slavery was outlawed and all that stuff, did you just stop talking about it? Because Jim Crow laws weren't, you know, that long ago. The Civil Rights Movement wasn't that long ago. If Martin Luther King was still alive, he'd be like in his 70s or something like this. These things weren't that long ago. So when did they stop talking about how they own slaves? It's for a question for Beto O'Rourke. Did no one mention it in your family, but also to other people like not every white person in America had family members that owned slaves like Bernie Sanders and Donald Trump. Right. Both of their parents or both of their ancestors 
came to America from Europe relatively recently. So their family members weren't the slave owners on the plantation. But a lot of white people did benefit from slaves. Um, so I want to know who talks about it and who doesn't. Or how many people talk about owning slaves and are either apologetic about it or incredibly racist about it. Um, because people say, like, you know, as like I'm, white people ha- aren't all, you know, extremely evil. But if your family owns slaves, like that kickstarted your family to be successful in America, most likely. So you did benefit from slaves, even if you never owned slaves. But yeah, I just I just would like to know. I'm no I know I'm probably never going to get a concrete answer to that, but and that's an awkward conversation for me to have like, hey, white family, did your family own slaves? question mark? Like that would be weird for me to ask. Um and not really socially um cool, but I want to know. I would like to know. Um and then talking about Donald Trump just a little bit. Um he made the racist tweets and he's been doubling down on his racist tweets. Um, But I want to make this about me. This is going to be about me for a minute. Um, So Donald Trump said, you know, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Ilhan Omar, um, Ayanna Presley, those people, um, Rashida Tlaib, um, go back to your country, essentially, is what he tweeted. And people were, you know, angry at this, go back to your country sentiment. And a lot of people of color in America hear that go back to your country shit. A lot or fairly often. But what I thought, what I was thinking about when this happened, I brought back a memory for me. Rewind to about 2015. I'm in college and I'm in Arabic class. I'm taking Arabic as my language requirement. So I'm take, I took Arabic in college for two years. And we are talking in class about traditional clothing. And when you take Arabic class, most of the students are, you know, from Arabic-speaking countries like, or have ancestry from Arabic-speaking countries or Muslim countries. So we're talking about traditional clothing, you know, the Jordanian, the Syrian, Somali, Iraqi, um, all that stuff. We're talking about, like, traditional clothing in their culture. Well, when it got to me, because I'm black, but I don't have a connection to Africa in the same way, like, I do have you know, of course, African ancestry and all that. And I did my Ancestry.com. I'm like 75, 70% African. Um, and then 30 to 25% other things. Um, but when it came to me, it's like, what's your traditional clothing? And I realized that I didn't have any. Like being a product of like slavery, like what is my traditional clothing? I couldn't come up with an answer. Like, it was just like a classroom discussion. It wasn't like I got singled out or anything, but it was like, I don't have traditional clothing in the same way. I was thinking, like, is my traditional clothing like, you know, urban wear that was like made popular by black people? Is my traditional clothing a dashiki? I think that's a reach because I've never been to Africa. I don't speak an African, a native African language. I don't do anything like that. So it was like, what is my traditional clothing? I, I still don't have a fucking answer for that. But that's what it reminded me of. Like, I can't go back to my country necessarily. Like, I've seen people say, go back to Africa. Like, bitch, where? <laughs> like, I don't know which part of Africa I would go to. Even that, my Ancestry.com, it said, like, 20% Nigerian, 20% like Togo, 
like 20% South African, like Zimbabwe, all that stuff. It's like, where, where do I go? Do I just blend in with everyone? Do you think all black people just kick it with each other in Africa? Because I don't know. Um, but it's just something that, that, you know, was brought up in my memory. And it was something that I forgot about until Donald Trump, you know, said those remarks. Um, so thanks, Donald, for bringing back memories. Um, but anyway, I wanted to talk about sports also. And I also want to talk about Love Island. And I'm about 50 minutes in. So we'll see how much you want to talk about. But let's talk about Love Island for a minute. Because I think that'll be the fastest. Um, Love Island USA is out. If you don't know Love Island, watch it. Love Island is a British reality show. A dating show. Where they put 10 people in a villa in Spain. And they all kiss and try to couple. And whoever is a couple at the end wins, basically. And when people get kicked out, they add new people in. They test, you know, trust and relationships, stuff like that. And Love Island USA, so basically the American version of Love Island, premiered about a week ago. And I've been watching it and I've been enjoying it. But I feel like there's like something missing. And I realize, and this isn't like a hot take or a deep take, but because like the American censor rules are different like in the british love island you can say fuck you can say shit you can say pussy you can say all those things on british tv after a certain time at night but america is going to bleep those words out and what i noticed in the american love island is if they're saying fuck shit and all that stuff they're not showing that they're not even going through the effort of bleeping that out they're just not showing that to begin with which makes it different and make it gives a different vibe and love island is about like love relationships and sex sex is important in love island and you're not going to be able to fuck on camera in america you're just not not at least not in the way that love island would would like so that's pretty much out of the question so that takes another element out and i feel like i don't want to make fun of this person but i'm going to mention this person there's a narrator for Love Island. The British version has a Scottish narrator. His name is Ian Sterling. He's really funny. And in the, the US, I actually don't know the narrator's name, but I felt like in the first couple of episodes, they were trying to make the American narrator similar to the Scottish narrator of the original Love Island. And it really wasn't working. But as I'm watching now, I feel like he's coming more into his own and he's going to be really good as the season progresses. Maybe they received the feedback that he wasn't doing that great of a job and he's stepped up because I do think he actually has talent at the voiceover thing and he's he's been really good in the, the most recent episode that I saw and I'm probably gonna watch Love Island after I record this and upload this and edit this and all that stuff. Um, but yeah. Love Island USA on CBS. Go watch it. I think it's pretty interesting. Um, and the people are hot. Like, if there's any reason to watch Love Island, it's that there are beautiful people. Like, just look at the beautiful people. <clears throat> That's basically... Like, if, if you think reality TV is stupid, at least you can look at beautiful people. Um, Love Island also made me realize, like, there's a difference between stupid and dumb. Like, in the UK Love Island, like... 
there are people that do dumb things or they say dumb things or they can't do certain things. Like there's a guy on the UK Love Island. He's never cooked before. He's never gone shopping before because like his mom did all that stuff for him. It doesn't mean that he's stupid, but it is dumb. Like you do dumb things. And I feel like I've used stupid and dumb interchangeably a lot, but I feel like there is a difference. I don't know how well to articulate that. And I probably am going to have to write this out before I can give you a really solid analysis on that. But just know I'm working on the difference between stupid and dumb. Um, but yeah, you can do dumb things and not be unintelligent, basically. Anyway, let's get to fucking sports, baby. Let's get to sports. Um, let's start off with the All-Star Game for baseball, the Home Run Derby. Um Again, this is about a year of this podcast, even though I took hella months off. But when I first started this podcast, like the All-Star game was going on. And now the All-Star game is going on. Um, The All-Star game was fun. Like, I really love the baseball All-Star game. They're doing this thing recently where they're um, putting microphones on the players in the field. So they're talking to outfielders. Mostly they're talking to they talk to a batter. They talk to Freddie Freeman when he was like actually at the plate which was interesting. Of course, it makes the players play worse because they're talking to the announcers during the game, but it's the all-star game. It doesn't matter. But there was a lot of good pitching, a lot of, you know, clutch hitting. Um, the, the game was played in Cleveland and the person, a pitcher from Cleveland, Shane Bieber, won the, um, the all-star game MVP. The all-star game was fun. And it's like, baseball is so fun. And I mentioned this on my last podcast, but I do think that they do need to make some changes to um, do a larger audience. And I think the answer might be to shorten the season. Um, I don't know if they have to change the rules so much, but I do think they might need to shorten the season. Maybe shorten games from nine innings to seven innings, but I do think that shortening the season might be the answer. Like, we have 162 regular season games in baseball. We can definitely cut that to 100. We could cut it to 100. After 50 games, you go to the All-Star break, play another 50 games, playoffs. I feel like that's not an unreasonable option. Um, I think basketball can cut games too because the problem is, um, you know, individual games, when there's 162 games, don't mean as much. So because, like, there's not as much hype for an individual game, you need, you, like, you need something to build it up. And I think that cutting the games in like by 62 games, you have more hype for each game because each game is basically a percentage point. So games matter more. And I think that would be, you know, a good way to to maybe spread the popularity of baseball or keep baseball popular. Because I think baseball made a record amount of money last year. Like they made more money than they ever did last season. Um, Now, I remember I was reading about how cricket stayed popular because cricket, you know, was had a reputation, I think, for being boring. I've never watched a lot of cricket, but I read that they shortened the season, they made it faster pace, and now it's you know, as exciting as it's ever been. So maybe that's what baseball needs to do. I think that's what basketball needs to do because basketball, including the playoffs, I feel like drags on and on. And like the storylines of the NBA are fun. But sometimes the games are a little bit on the boring side. Um, And we'll talk about basketball in a minute, too. Um, 
But I think that's what you have to do. And then I also read recently that the NFL is considering expanding their season to eight games, 18 games. No. What the fuck? No. Why would you do that? The NFL had it right. The NFL had so much popularity. There's only 16 games in the season. Why expand your season? And they were saying like um, each team, like every player on the team could only play 16 games, but there's 18 games in the season. So you have to sit out for two games completely. And which makes for interesting strategy, like you're going to have to put your backup quarterback in, like backup wide receivers, backup defensive backs. Um, I don't know how it's going to work with the kicker because usually teams only have one kicker. So it could provide for some interesting strategy. But the NFL had it right. The NFL gets a lot of things wrong. And I mean a lot of things wrong. And I like football less now than I do as a kid. But what they had right was a short season and that put builds up hype for every game you have to wait a week for a game but now we have monday night thursday night you know sunday night the hype is getting less and less and then if you have an 18 game season the hype is just going to get less and less i don't think that's the right move for the nfl although it could be interesting but absolutely not no 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 um and also the home run derby i want to talk about the home run derby Pete Alonso won. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. came in second. But Vladimir Guerrero Jr. was definitely the people's champ. And Vlad and um, Pete are both rookies. But Vladimir Guerrero Jr. hit 91 home runs. And he had like a swing-off versus Jock Peterson that was incredible. And Pete Alonso, credit where credit is due, he always won at like the last second of each of his home run derby rounds. And like, it was exciting to see him win at the last second, but Vladimir Guerrero Jr. just put on a show and he was the people's champ. I don't care what anyone says. He was a people's champ. And then Pete Alonso won and the prize was a million dollars. And Pete Alonso only makes $500,000 this season. And he donated his money. That Like, that's ridiculous. I know Pete Alonso is going to be a millionaire if he keeps playing baseball. But when you double your salary for a day's work and then you donate the money, like how many people would do that? I don't know. Like if you make $60,000 a year and then on one day you make $120,000, are you donating half that money? I don't think so. You just made two years of your salary in one day while you have other things to invest in and then maybe donate something later. But the first thing you do is donate, that's, that's a wild, that's wild that you would do that. Like in any other circumstance, like people would be like, what the fuck are you doing? Because you just double your salary. Um, but yeah, the, the home run derby was fun. The futures game, which I talked about last podcast was fun. Um, there's also been a kind of a controversy around juice baseballs. And um, I'm gonna take a sip of water really quick. Justin Verlander, which is um, one of the best baseball pitchers ever, he's going to be a Hall of Famer. He's saying that the ball is juiced or they altered the baseball so that more home runs are being hit. And Justin Verlander has allowed more home runs than anyone ever this year, this season. 
And for one of the best pitchers in the league, that's abnormal, right? And he's saying that they're fucking with the balls. The balls are juiced. And to me, before I did research into this, like, it just seemed like complaining, right? That seems like complaining on the surface. Like, I'm not doing as good this year as I have in the past, but it's clearly not my fault. That's what it sounds like. But then scientific studies said that the ball is different. Major League Baseball said that the ball is different, but they didn't do it on purpose. So I wonder where this is going to go. It's just something interesting to talk about. Um, But I do think that if they are doing it on purpose, if they're doing it on purpose, I feel like they're trying to get back to the steroid era because the best baseball is fun now. I enjoy baseball now. But growing up, I grew up during the steroid era, era, Bonds and Sosa, McGuire, Palmero, A-Rod, Andrew Jones, like these guys, Carlos Lee, who were hitting home runs left and right. And baseball was exciting. It doesn't, pitching wasn't bad. We still had great pitchers, fucking Randy Johnson, fucking um, Maddox was still pitching, all that stuff. Um, So... All those things are still, you know, good. And Justin Verlander is still good, even though he's giving up home runs. He fucking started the All-Star game, for crying out loud. But it just makes me think about, um, like, how fun baseball was in that era and how it compares to now. Because we don't have, like, the 73 home run seasons right now um, unless, you know, someone goes really crazy. Like, 50 home runs is ridiculous, but I don't know when we'll see someone with a 70 home run season again. But the scientific studies have proven that the balls are different. So maybe we will get a 70 run or a 70 home run season soon. Um, assuming they don't change the balls from the way they currently are. But I just think about how fun that era was as a kid and seeing people now hitting mans- monster home runs. Fucking Pete Alonso, Mike Trout, Christian Yelich, Bellinger, even though I hate the Dodgers, Bellinger is really, really good. You can't, you have to admit that Bellinger is good. So all those things, like, it's making baseball fun, but are they tweaking the ball to make it more fun? Because what was steroids? Steroids wasn't to make the, the game fun. It was to be better at the game. And now, like, admittedly, some people have lost interest in baseball We need to make this game more fun for other people. That's why I think that you need to shorten the season rather than fuck with the balls. But that's also like money is involved, like more games, more TV deals, more money. But I feel like that's what they're trying to get at is like the same feeling that we got during the steroid era. But no one is going to get caught using steroids so we don't have to feel bad about it later. Like, that's why Barry Bonds is not in the Hall of Fame. Because we think he did steroids. It was never proven. But we think he did steroids. And we feel bad about rooting for someone like that. So we are not going to put him in the Hall of Fame. Maybe he'll get in eventually. But that's why he's not in the Hall of Fame. Um. Anyway. Moving on. Oh, I have two more things I want to talk about. Um. So I'm probably not going to review a podcast. Because... This is going long, and I haven't taken any breaks, which is good. I like I like this. Um, and um, the last episode, I got like an hour with no breaks, and we're at an hour now. So this is really, really good. Um, and the only reason I review podcasts to begin with 
is because I named this shit what is a podcast. Um, so I don't have to. I feel like people might be expecting to hear the podcast review. And if that's the case, I do apologize. And it'll probably be, be back next week. But that's the only reason why I, I started doing that is because I decided to name it this. Um, but I really want to get to two more things. And then um, I don't think that there's going to be room for a podcast review. Um, my apologies. But anyway, I want to talk about the women's national team. And I didn't think I was going to talk about the women's national team again. But the hate that the women's national team is getting is actually really disappointing. It's so fucking disappointing. Like, I feel like we are hating on people, the collective we, not not everyone, the royal we, whatever. People are hating on the women's national team for being cool. Like, people are hating on Megan Rapino for being cool. They're hating on Ashlyn Harris, who's one of the goalkeepers on the team, the team, for being cool. They're hating on them for celebrating. And to me, this is absolutely sexist. Because if I remember correctly, when the Washington Capitals won the Stanley Cup, Alex Ovechkin was acting an ass, being drunk all over Washington, D.C., and people loved it. When the Cleveland Cavaliers beat the Warriors, and I'm a Warriors fan, but when the Cleveland Cavaliers beat the Warriors and J.R. Smith never wore a shirt again, people loved it. It was funny. It was great. When the women's national team wins and they celebrate and they drink beer and they dance, people say, how fucking arrogant? Are you kidding me? Like, this is absolutely sexist. And I feel like a lot of it has been pointed at Ashlyn Harris because she's been filming and posting a lot of stuff on her Instagram. But also Megan Rapino, just because she's one of the faces of the team. Like you notice Megan Rapino, who's a co-captain, Alex Morgan, who's a co-captain. Alex Morgan doesn't get nearly the hate that Megan Rapino does. Part of it is because Alex Morgan is a different personality. Like she's not as outspoken as Rapino is. But part of it is because Megan Rapino, or at least part of what I'm thinking is Megan Rapino. You know, she's critical of you know the government. She's openly lesbian. She's all these things. And I think that for some conservative people, they don't like that. So it, it's easy to target their anger at someone who represents a lot of things that they don't like. If they don't like gay people, they don't like people who kneel for the flag and support a Ka- Kaepernick. They don't like people who don't like Donald Trump. It's easy to zero in and focus your hate on Megan Rapino because she represents all those things. Alex Morgan, I'm sure, believes in a lot of the same things that Megan Rapino does. But Alex Morgan is not a lesbian. And I know that there are a lot of people who, if Alex Morgan wanted to have sex with them, they would explode. Their, their penis would fly off because they think Alex Morgan is that hot. Like, people aren't giving Alex Morgan the same type of heat. They're not, and Ashlyn Harris, who is also a lesbian... Um, she's getting a lot of heat too and it's like she's just posting fun shit and to me and to a lot of other people a lot of people are supporting the women's national team it's like why are you hating on people for having fun the world cup is one of the biggest accomplishments in sports period period the world cup is one of the biggest accomplishments you're literally world champions like in america we say like if you win the world series you win um the nba championship you win the super bowl your world champions. No, you won in America. The exception being, you know, the Toronto teams. But 
You're, we call American champions world champions, but the women's national team is actually world champions. They're actually world champions. Let them fucking celebrate. Um, in another women's national team story, um, really quick, there's a player who plays um, in North Carolina. She's a pro player named Jaylene Hinkle. And if I have the story right on Jaylene Hinkle, she is one of the best defenders available to the United States. Mind you, they won without her. She wasn't on the team. But she's one of the best defenders available to them to call up to the national team, right? And they called her up once before, but she left the team because she is a Christian and the team was going to be wearing rainbow pride numbers on their jerseys, and she didn't agree with that. And now, come time for the World Cup, she didn't get called up again, right? And people are making it out, a lot of conservative people are making out to be that she wasn't called up because of her religion. And I want to say, first of all, there are Christians on the women's national team. Go through their Instagrams, you'll see it. Second of all, and this seems fairly obvious to me, and I did play sports growing up. Maybe you have a different perspective, but this seems fairly obvious to me. As a former mediocre athlete, let me explain. If you quit on the team because you didn't like the numbers that the team was wearing, I'm never inviting you to the team again. If you quit on the team because you don't like the uniforms, you are clearly not committed to the team. You're not committed to the team whatsoever. If you're going to do that, I don't want you on my fucking team ever. If you are going to quit over something as trivial as that. I understand that um, if it was like a swastika, let's give an extreme example. If there was a swastika on the jersey, I would understand no, this is a symbol of hate. I don't want that. I'm not wearing this jersey. But this is rainbow pride numbers. The pride flag, gay people, the gay pride LGBTQ community, that flag is not a symbol of hate. What that is, we exist. We would like you to respect that we exist. We are here. We've been oppressed for however many years. We would like to be respected as equals. That's what that flag means. That's not a country flag. It's not a hate symbol. It's not anything like that. So the fact that you said, no, I don't support gay people by wearing, I don't want to support gay people, not even gay marriage. Like this is gay people. Like some people are like, yo, I like gay people, but they don't want I don't want them to be married, which is still wrong in my opinion. But some people are like that. But to say, I'm not even going to support gay people on my uniform, even though there are gay people on this team, even though there are Christians on this team, even though no one else has a problem with this, I'm going to quit on my team. I never want you on my fucking team again. Like, that's just how it is. That's how sports is. Like, if I can give a, a little personal story, like one time, one year I was playing baseball and there was a kid on the team and he did not work hard at all, Right. He, like when we would run, he would walk. If we had to run a lap, he would walk the lap. And we came to hate him. The team came to hate him because he didn't work hard. He couldn't be trusted. He didn't want to commit to running. And I realize this isn't like a one-to-one example, but I think it works. He didn't commit to working hard for the team. So the team, we did not fuck with him. We did not want him on the team. We did not want to play him wherever he wanted to play. And it doesn't matter if he wanted to be on the team or not. You weren't pulling your weight. So the team 
did not like him in any you know sense of the word. And I feel like if Jalen Hinkle quits on the team because of gay pride numbers, this is obviously creating a chemistry issue. One, you have gay people on the team. Two, you quit on the team once before. Who's to say you're not going to quit on the team again? Like, it seems pretty obvious to me. It doesn't matter how good you are at soccer. This is a chemistry issue. And I think this is like what sports gets wrong sometimes. Like, analytics will say you need the best player at every position. That's what analytics says. Analytics does not cover chemistry. And basketball has this problem too. You look at teams like the Boston Celtics, um, the Houston Rockets, things like that. Analytics cannot you know, account for chemistry and personal relationships. So the fact that you, on your own decision, chose to create a chemistry issue, you're never going to be on the national team again so long as they still have the same coach and most of the same players. Like your co-captain is gay. You're going to actively say, I don't support gay people by not wearing that jersey. And the jersey isn't even a big deal to begin with. And you expect to be called up again? Absolutely fucking not. Um, But anyway, the last thing I want to talk about, there was a story on ESPN um, a few days ago, or maybe yesterday, I don't know, um, by Baxter Holmes, um, who works for ESPN. And he was saying that, um, I'm actually looking at it now, it was posted five days ago. Um, He was saying, Baxter Holmes was saying, that the kids today playing basketball are so much more injury prone than they ever have been before. And I feel like we've known that, but I didn't really realize it. But when you think about people like Joel Embiid, go even back further, Greg Oden, last year, like Dante DiVincenzo, Steph Curry and his ankles, right? These things have been, you know, kind of known for a while. Like there's been young players getting hurt left and right. Yes, they come back, thankfully, but some people are never fucking the same. Um, and some people, like we see Kevin Durant, we don't know if Kevin Durant's ever going to be the same. That, that Kevin Durant is older, but when you have those injuries, you never know if they're going to be the same after the injury. Like, look at Greg Oden. Like, Greg Oden was never able to make his place in the league, even though he was one of the most talented players in college. So you have those, you know, issues. And Baxter Holmes is saying it's because these kids are specializing in basketball by the time they're like six or seven. And the problem with basketball, I think this is a problem in all sports, but basketball, because it's so hard on your joints, like your knees and your ankles, and there's a lot of jumping and all that stuff, like it's hard on your joints. So by the time... Sorry, my dog is scratching himself. If you hear that, my apologies. Um, but if you're, you know, constantly jumping up and down and, you know, putting pressure on your ligaments, on your joints, that can be problematic. Um, and I said this earlier, and this is not, you know, a hot take or not a deep insight, but you can make your muscles stronger. You can make your biceps, your triceps, your quads, your calves. You can make all those things stronger. But what you can't make stronger are those like ACL, MCL, Achilles. Like you can't make those things stronger. Those connective tissues are not going to get very much stronger. So if you fuck them up, like they're never going to be back to 100%. And kids nowadays, because they're specializing in basketball so young, they're hurting themselves. And I feel like 
I don't think this is necessarily the NBA's fault, but the NBA is a part of the equation because kids want to get to the NBA, right? Like, that's the reason why they're fucking doing it is to get to the NBA. You don't work your whole life of basketball to not play pro basketball. That's just that's not how the game works. Um, but I do. So the NBA is part of the the issue, but I don't think it's the NBA's fault. Like AAU, AAU and travel teams and all that stuff, they're all like connected. The kids' parents are connected. Um, the school, how they're training, how they're eating, that's all connected. I remember playing high school sports. Like we ate like shit in high school sports, and we would like people would throw up after practice because we would eat like um, you know Carl's Jr. and shit. Um, but we. Like all those things are a factor, and I don't have a good answer for this, but I will say that when I was a kid, I only wanted to play baseball. And my parents told me, and other people told me, that I should play other sports because they will make me better at baseball. I didn't really listen to them. But like, if you play basketball, you play football, you play tennis, you play field hockey, whatever it is, if you play more than one sport, you exercise different parts of your body. And it makes you a better baseball player or it could make you a better baseball player. And I feel like that messaging that I got from several different sources is not being given to those kids. Maybe it's because no one saw potential in me to go pro. I mean, I'm not a I'm not a pro athlete now. I'm not even close. So maybe they, they, they were right, clearly. But these kids that are specializing in basketball, maybe they can do some other sports or other hobbies like you know even if it's not sports like do you like you know chess do you like you know video games do you like i don't know chemistry like maybe you know explore some of those things even if it's not sports and make yourself a well-rounded person and then you can you know work on the basketball in the other time that you have I don't have a good answer for that, but it's just really interesting that this is happening and that it's been put into words what we kind of already knew what was happening, but it's been, you know, articulated really well by Baxter Holmes on ESPN. Um, but like, I don't, I, I don't have a good answer, but it just is weird that these kids are getting the opposite messaging of what I got. I got, make yourself a well-rounded person. I got, you know, do what you're interested in. You know, academics are important, too. Like, kids nowadays, like, they go to basketball academies. I know, because my cousin went to one. Like, they go to basketball academies. And mind you, not every kid in AAU is going pro. Like, not everyone who dedicates their life to basketball makes it to the NBA. Not everyone who dedicates their life to basketball even makes it to the fucking G League. So, for some of these people, they're fucking up the bodies for almost nothing. So, it's really sad when you think about it, but... Yeah, it's just some, something I thought was interesting um, this past week. Um, and I want to, you know, think more about it. Maybe maybe I'll write about it. I do a little bit of writing on Medium for free. Um, but, yeah, that's all I have for now. Um, thank you to everyone who listens. Thank you to everyone who subscribes. Thank you to everyone who follows the podcast Twitter. What is a underscore podcast? I appreciate you. I value you. Um, thank you for putting up with me. I actually did have to you know, start over on this recording. Um, And I probably shouldn't have told you that, but I tweeted about it. So who the fuck cares? But thank you, all of you. I appreciate you. Thank you for listening. Um, Love you. Please be safe. Have a nice rest of your day or evening. Goodbye.